Hello, welcome to the Big Shiny Podcast. My name is Chris Betts. Unfortunately, my co-host Jordan Robson Kramer could not make it for this record, but we have a special guest uh, to help us ring in Big Shiny Tunes 9, and it is uh, Frankie Muniz. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm really glad to be here. A pleasure to be here for the 17th anniversary of Big Shiny Tunes 9, as well as one of my movies, Agent Cody Banks 2. A Stone Cold classic. I just wanted to let all the listeners know that we are going to be um, showing Agent Cody Banks 2 in select theaters throughout Ontario currently right now. If uh, you are affected by the lockdown, don't worry. We've made uh, special exceptions for you to be able to go see the movie. For one week, we're going to be changing the soundtrack to songs from Big Shiny Tunes 9 throughout the movie. That's beautiful. I mean, what a move. So if you're in Etobicoke, London... Mississauga, not Toronto, not Ottawa. Yeah, Thunder Bay. Uh, despite Thunder being Bay. despite being in the red zone, they have kindly agreed to open the theaters for a uh, seven day showing of the movie. That's the power of Frankie Muniz. That's the power of Cody Banks, Agent Cody Banks. Go out there, check out this classic, Mister Muniz. Can I ask you one quick question before you go? Okay. Uh, were you ever angry that you weren't in Breaking Bad? No. Because I like to think that my time working as Brian Cranston's son in the hit show Malcolm in the Middle. Great show. I gave him a lot of tips and a lot of ways and approaches. So um, when I watch Breaking Bad, I actually see myself in his performances. Wow. The enormous ego of Frankie Muniz, everybody. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's 2004. We're doing Big Shiny Tunes 9. This is the first one that had good songs. Frankie, did you have a favorite song off this album? To be honest, I didn't really like much on this record, but I I was one of the producers for the Hoobastank album, mm. and that song, Same Direction, is on here. So just because I have some financial investment in that song, I'm going to say that's my favorite song of the record. Not only does he have a huge ego, he has terrible taste in music. This album has great songs that do not belong to Hoobastank. You got Billy Talents on here, Franz Ferdinand, Take Me Out's on here. It feels like Big Shiny Tunes just wanted to give us a break. And so there's there's actually great music for the first time in a few albums. So uh, this was a, this this episode was a delight to record that we haven't known in, in weeks. Uh, so enjoy that. If you're listening, uh, please, what do I mean if you're listening? You're literally listening. Um, please write and review the episode. It helps so much if you can give us five stars or a, a nice positive review. That would be great. Uh, we will be back next week and at the end of the show. Feel free to follow us on Twitter at Big Shiny Tweets. Um, I think that's everything. Frankie, can you uh, take us into Big Shiny Tunes 9? Of course. Uh, much like the olive oils that me and my partner sell in Scottsdale, Arizona, this is going to be a smooth time and quite delicious. So please check out our olive oil company while listening to this compilation. Frankie Munez, Agent Cody Banks, coming to Etobicoke, coming to Thunder Bay. Here's Big Shiny Tunes 9. Welcome to the Big Shiny Podcast. <laughs> Big Shiny Tunes 9. It's the time of the season for Big Shiny Tunes 9. Feeling fine with the first few songs on this, but then it turns to shit. I gotta say, uh, overall, there's some real downsides to it, but overall, this is my favorite album in a while. There are some really great songs in this, and the the atmosphere of the album takes a real shift, and I appreciate it. I don't mean to sound like some pretentious guy, but I 
feel like this is the postmodern era in effect, full effect, with all the mm. kind of throwbacks to different genres that are happening throughout this album a little bit, or at least yeah. like in culture. But if you're coming to Big Shiny Tunes worried that uh, they're changing, don't worry, because there are some pretty Big Shiny Tunes choices on here. <laughs> still <laughs> yeah yeah they don't they don't stray too far but uh but there's there's at least there's a little bit of uh there's a little bit of spice in the hummus you know speaking of spicy hummus uh how was your 2004 my 2004 was amazing i had such a great year it was the year that i moved to brighton well i guess i was ensconced in brighton at this point mm. i was set i had a life i'd moved into my friend's apartment i'd taken his job like from him uh, he basically gave it to me. He oh, was okay. moving to the Alps. Um, and so that was why, like, if you remember from the last episode, I sent an email to my buddy yeah. just being like, I hate it in White Rock. And he's like, come here in two weeks. I got you a job and, a, and, a, and an apartment. And um, so I did. I moved into his old room. Uh, he moved to the Alps to do a season out there. I learned to bartend. For the first few months, I didn't really have any friends because my one friend had moved to the Alps. And so I just learned how to flare, just juggling bottles in parks nice. uh, near the bar that I worked at. So I was like, I was just enjoying learning a skill, actually listening to some of the bands that are on this compilation while I was doing it. Juggle juggle music? Are you calling Big Shiny Tunes uh, juggle music this edition? Some of it. A couple, a couple <laughs> of the songs were just like good, fun, because uh, flair bartending songs are normally either like great, upbeat rock songs yeah. or like fun dance music, because you got to move around to it. It's a party thing to do is to flare. It's never... There's no shoegazing flair, you know? <laughs> no. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I was doing that. I, I, dated, um, I dated a fashion designer. It was the first time I dated out of my own little... I think she was my first... I guess she would have been my second girlfriend. Well, um, did that affect your own uh, style? Was she giving you clothes to wear and stuff? Uh, no, she, she never tried to dress me. I'll never forget the look on her dad's face, though, when I met her parents. And she was like, because she was like sort of upper middle class. She was a very fancy woman. Yeah. And she just liked me because I was like a, I was a pretty cool bartender. And she thought I was a lot older than I was. I was 19. <laughs> right. She was 23. She thought I was 26. Yeah, it wasn't until our second date that my real age came out. She was visibly upset. Uh, <laughs> but her, uh, her dad was like, so Chris, what are your, what are your plans? And I gave a 19 year old answer. I was like, I don't know. I'm really enjoying bartending. I'll probably do that for a while. And the look on his face. There's a juggling competition that's coming up. I'm kind of uh, stoked about. <laughs> There's some really good juggling that's that's got to be done, you guys. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was a hell of a time. I, um, I worked at an awesome Irish pub called the Fiddler's Elbow, partying a lot and meeting really fun people in a beach town that is um, about as like free and open-minded as it gets in the UK. Yeah. And so I guess it's like it's as close to Montreal as the UK has. Yeah. And so I just had a blast. Like still to this day, some of my closest friends I made in this year. Mm. Um, and they're like they're basically family. Uh, so I have I'm sure there were very bad times because every year has them. Yeah. But they don't they don't ring out for me in this year. And this year it's it's all what comes to the surface is just um, a very fun, formative, uh, productive 19 year old. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah, what about yourself? I loved 2004, man. Um, Good. It, it was the year I moved to Montreal. I moved to Montreal mm -hmm. in April of 2004. Uh, I think the first uh, few months of it kind of sucked because I just couldn't wait to um, get out of Victoria. I, I don't know why. I think, no, I do know why. I, I made the mistake the year before of um, going to university. And, uh, and I, and I realized within like a month, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this at all, but I had already committed. So yeah. I, I didn't even drop the classes. I just stopped showing up. So my transcript oh, wow. is like littered with complete fails and then just straight A's and the things that I was actually interested in. 
mm-hmm. but I, I my mind was so set I think on getting out of Victoria and um I chose in Montreal I think in the back of my head uh like mm. the beginning of that year and yeah as soon as as soon as school was finished I I I got out of there and uh man yeah I mean say I I was just having so much fun uh almost the the moment I landed in Montreal I think I took like my first mushroom trip within a couple of weeks of being there. <laughs> yep. I like, yep. I was meeting people in interesting ways just by like getting drunk and walking up St. Laurent. Um, you, you, used to, you used to be able to smoke in bars back then. I was smoking, yeah. I was smoking in yeah. bars, smoking indoors, smoking outside. <laughs> Probably smells terrible. Um, I met, Definitely. I met like, I, I remember like meeting a, uh, I wouldn't say girlfriend, but my first love experience uh, because I was spray painting on the sidewalk, not even like tagging. I literally, my tactic was a spray painting my name. And, and this girl walked by, she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I spray painting my name. I'll spray paint your name too. And <laughs> she went for that. Um, yeah. So anyways, and, and I, and I also kind of hit the ground running too, in terms of trying to just like play music. And I, I almost joined Wolf Parade, but they, uh, one mm. of the members didn't want me um, to join uh, because I, the first band I ever played in Montreal was this band called the 10 commandments. And okay. it was basically like a vessel for, um, the guy's poetry and he, uh, and all real tea party situation. Well, kind of, except that like he, um, I don't want to throw him under the bus too much, but like all his songs sounded the same and had very similar chords and they were like all eight minutes long. And, um, mm. I, I played bass in this band and I remember our, we had this show that I got so wasted at that on stage in front of, I don't know how many people, like 50 people. I, um, just started flubbing the songs cause I forgot, I, I couldn't differentiate what songs were what cause they all sounded the same <laughs> and, 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 and the singer definitely was pissed off and, and I was so ashamed that there was, uh, this was at this bar called Hemisphere Gauche that's still there and um, on the stage, there's literally like an exit door on the stage. So I, I literally packed, um, put my bass in his case, left through the exit door and pre- proceeded to vomit like in the alley. <laughs> and I, I was, I had this reputation of being the guy that uh, ruined this show for them, but um, it was, oh. it was, it wasn't enough to join Wolf Parade, but apparently it was enough to join Sunset Rubdown. So... Ah, nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, a, a lot of uh, a lot of fun memories from this year, and and yeah, just I think like living in a new city when you're that young, mm. uh, I recommend it to everyone. Don't if if you're a pl- if you really want to apply yourself and and get ahead in life, by all means, go to university. But if you actually want to have fun when you're graduated yeah. high school, don't go to university. Don't don't do it. <laughs> also, wait a couple of years so you know what you want to study. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's a big thing because, like, I I waited until I was twenty six until uh, I moved to Montreal to go to university or twenty three uh, to go to university, and um, I was so glad that I did because I'd moved to Brighton and I'd lived in Ireland and France and all that. It was just like, but even you don't have to go to another country. You go to Montreal, you go to Toronto. You can go. You could just go to the big city from your suburb. Yeah, you get out and you learn about yourself because you're surrounded by totally new things. So you'll try things uh, that you wouldn't have tried otherwise. You'll meet people you wouldn't have otherwise met. I mean that that story of you spray painting the sidewalk and just randomly meeting people while drunk on Saint Laurent. Yeah, that's how we met. That's <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We were in we were in Dieu du Ciel. Yeah, um, and uh, I was sitting and reading at the bar, not juggling, just and, so the audience knows he he had given yeah, up. Yeah, no, this it was, point. I, I wasn't behind the bar. I was uh, <laughs> uh, I was I was in front of the bar, and you just sat down next to me, and you just started talking to me. We talked about Patton Oswalt. Yeah. 
and and we're friends ever since. Yep. <laughs> so that's a very very JRC move. Yeah, I, I was uh, I, I was not afraid of strangers. They seemed interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, oh yeah, also one one last thing about this year too. I I was like really smart um, with my money leading up to Montreal. Like I had saved like five thousand dollars before moving just from this wow, job. I was an 18 year old yeah I was, I was working this job dishwashing um that also gave they they gave tips to the staff which was cool um nice. but uh yeah so i mean i was like still living uh with my mom at that time so i mm. um but i i say five thousand dollars and i was like this is gonna be great like i'll uh be able to coast on this for for months uh, uh and sure enough i like spent it all within a month and i was like oh fuck yeah. I need to get, I need to get work. And, and my, my first job in Montreal was working at this call center, which was a total scam. One of the most depressing jobs I ever had. I I lasted, I lasted about two weeks, which actually I, I still feel to this day was too long because of how we were fucking over people. We basically, I don't know how they got this information, but you would have a list of people that had applied for bankruptcy in the States and you would call them over the phone and you without like legally there was a script and it had to be worded a certain way but you basically were uh tricking them into thinking that they um were going to be getting help from their bank uh, oh my god and and like you know so many people in america were like um smart and were just like oh fuck off or, like and would hang up the phone immediately yeah. but some people the most painful part is when you realize like some people were still hanging on to some hope of getting out of this debt and you're just fucking them yeah. over and it was like out by um it was like in the middle of fucking nowhere it was like by de la Savan metro it was the most uh ridiculously emo um job i had because on on breaks i would walk over to this jewish cemetery nearby and read kafka <laughs> And then go back Jesus to fucking Christ. people over. Anyways, it was it was two weeks, but it, it was like there had been people in that there are people in that job who'd been doing it for years, and like hmm. there's something scary about them to me because they yeah. definitely lost a part of their soul. Um, oh yeah, yeah for sure. I always that was one of my favorite parts of um, uh, uh, the Good Place was that they had. Uh, before she dies, she works in one of those scam call centers. Yeah. And I'm like, I know those people because Montreal is full of them. Yeah. Because you're not the only person that I know who did that. There's so many of those scam call centers. I don't know what it is about Quebec. Maybe it's because the mafia is like elbow deep in the city. I, I think they um, regulated it eventually, but there was a legal loophole for a while that just basically allowed like crime uh, calls to happen. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was such a great um, character thing. Well, that's good. You were overdue for a good year. I'm glad young Jordan had a good time. Yeah, things are things are looking up for a few years here, so... Uh... Good. All right, let's get into 2004. Let's place everyone in this year. Let's do it. Uh, if, events of 2004. I couldn't find that many, like, big world things. It seems like um, we were in the middle of a lot of ongoing mm-hmm. events in 2004. Uh, but here's here's a couple notables. Athens had the Olympics, uh, which was a big deal. Uh, George W. Bush inexplicably reelected. Uh, Oprah gave everyone a car. It was the birth of the you get a car. You get a car. I thought she was giving everybody bees. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was um, that was that that's like a thing that anchors us in uh, 2004 uh, big movies, because I feel like that's that's how I definitely place myself. Uh, Shaun of the Dead came out. I still haven't seen that movie. Should I see it? <laughs> it's really fun. It's cool. really, really fun. Um, Shaun of the Dead came out, which was I saw it in theaters. And as we left, I saw it with a friend of mine. 
and we were laughing and quoting it and talking about different parts. And then she got a text from her boyfriend that his mom had died, and we were like, "Ah, man, oh. yeah, it was a real, real roller coaster of a day." Oh yeah. Uh, but Shaun of the Dead, uh, Million Dollar Baby, Ray, the Ray Charles document or uh, biopic, uh, The Aviator, Shrek Two, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and Garden State, which were two staples for dudes like us. Uh, Sideways, which single-handedly ruined the sale of Merlot for like a decade. <laughs> Uh, Howl's Moving Castle for the animated fans, Passion of the Christ came out, Mean Girls, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, and the most quoted movie of our lifetime, motherfucking Anchorman. Yep. Basically, uh, how, if you didn't know some dude, uh, just pull out an Anchorman quote and start from there. You were friends. You were (laughs) friends. It was the, it was the quote version of wearing the same team's jersey. Yeah. You were just, you were just going to be getting along. Um, so that was 2004. Do you have any notable exceptions off of this album? Some people that you think, my God, what the hell were they thinking? Album of the summer for me uh, was Animal Collective Sung Tongs. Beautiful album. Ooh. With a, my mushroom trips uh, that summer, uh, that was on the turntable constantly. Um, there's something about mm. that album that is perfect for a mushroom trip. Um, just grouting you and keeping uh, the vibes good and weird. Um, nice. I was also into that uh, UK band, The Future Heads, a lot. Okay, um, yeah. Yep. They had some some of the jams on there I, I still really like. Um, super energetic, fast-paced. And also, like they, they sing in four-part harmonies. Um, and I remember reading an interview with them where they talked about they had two band practices, one where they played the songs and then one that's just vocals. I was like, wow, you guys are super weird. Um nice. Yeah, but uh, and maybe the last two I would mention would be anything off um, Desperate Youth, Bloodthirsty Babes by TV on the radio. Um, nice. Uh, that could have fit really nicely here. Why have Tea Party when you can have TV on the radio? Uh, <laughs> I ask myself that every day. You may never know. And uh, this Swedish uh, psych band called Dungen um, was really into oh, as well. If, if we're nice. continuing with the themes of um, things that sound like other eras, that would have fit perfectly um, on here. Nice. How about you? It's a great list. Um, I had some that weren't actually, you know what? I, I did like a lot of these. I got a couple that I didn't necessarily like, but I'm surprised didn't make it. Mm. But on one side, I did like Scissor Sisters. I'm amazed that oh, the yeah, Scissor Sisters did make yeah. it on. They were so fun and really would have fit with this more upbeat uh, party rock vibe that a lot of this album has. Yeah. Um, the Go Team, Thunder Lightning Strike, something mm-hmm. off that album. Mm-hmm. That's a fucking, that's a borderline perfect album. Really fun, really upbeat, absolutely would have fit. Um, I'm so. I'm not super surprised, but I think it would have worked. Something off Good News for People Who Like Bad News by Modest Mouse. Yep. Float On was uh, was a big song that year. Okay, yeah, yeah, that could have absolutely made it. Um, this one, again, I, I'm i not super surprised it didn't make it, but I think <clears throat> we could have found something, is um, A Grand Don't Come For Free by The Streets. Fucking, that, that, that album is Shakespearean in scope. It's amazing. It's absolutely fucking wonderful. If you're not listening to The Streets, check out A Grand Don't Come For Free and Original Pirate Material. They're both just phenomenal albums. Um Something off Funeral by Arcade Fire, which came out this year. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Something by uh, soon to be the biggest Canadian band um, in the world. And then two that I don't like, but I'm shocked didn't make it on. Uh, Velvet Revolver. <laughs> I am amazed that Velvet Revolver didn't make it onto this album. Yeah. They absolutely should have. Um, if you're not familiar with Velvet Revolver, they were um, like a super group of sort of late 90s bands. Who was it? Scott Whalen. Slash. slash yeah. Uh, one of the dudes from um, what well, wasn't uh, uh, wasn't it two Guns N' Roses members? Wasn't Slash and Duff? Yeah, Duff. I think it was Duff yeah. McKagan. 
Yeah. Um, and then and then someone else that we're 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 not remembering. But I'm amazed that they didn't make it on because that feels like a very big shiny tunes move. And American Idiot by Green Day. Oh, that was that year too, huh? Wow. That was that year too. It's crazy that that didn't make it on. And again, like I I don't really like it. Yeah. But I would have taken that over that a Hoopa Stank for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um. All right. How, overview of the album. I mean, we kind of did this right at the top. Yeah. But overview of the album. How'd you feel about it? I, I found myself. Um, sort of getting pumped up uh for the first little bit of it even though a couple songs derailed it and then it just fucking tanked out for me at a certain point mm-hmm. um like it was it was kind of disappointing because it's again it's this thing that somebody in the track listing process uh the track list choices has the ability to still pick some good songs and why mm-hmm you would populate it with um, some of the things we'll get to on here. I have no idea. Um, I feel maybe there's a conflict of interest happening, perhaps like with the changing nature of um, the Canadian music landscape to some degree, although you're not really seeing it on this album yet outside of, uh, yeah, I don't think, Alexis on Fire maybe, and that mm-hmm. this yeah, Marble Index sure. track. Yeah, it, it, it just seemed very confusing at a certain point <laughs> that it yeah. that the, the album could have these fun moments and then just, bring you back now it seemed kind of borderline abusive (laughs) (laughs) that's fair yeah i had a similar thing i mean one thing that i liked about it is a lot of the songs that are on here were from my should have made it list oh great for eight um so like the darkness is on there uh franz ferdinand yeah um uh the hives which i think i mentioned last time but are in that sort of libertines vines sort of vibe um and although it's not my favorite hive song i would have picked something off the album before this but I'm still, you know, I'm glad they're on there. Yeah, I had a very similar thing. It was like, oh, this is, I want to tap my foot and have a good time to half of this album. Yeah. And then I just want to walk away from another half of it. So it was a, it was a, it was a confusing ride. Um, okay. So Billboard yeah. top 10 for America. Again, more interesting than Canada's immediately. It starts out with Yeah by Usher, Lil Jon, and Ludacris. Which is yeah 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 yeah. Um, this was like Usher was just the man at this point, and he's still like fuck that that Chappelle sketch too on uh, Lil John. So funny, you remember? Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lil John was an inexplicable moment uh, that I'm so glad happened. It was such a fun yep. thing to have. Um, but yeah, so it was Lil John, uh, Usher, uh, Ludacris. Uh, with yeah, then number two was Burned by Usher. Usher took the top two spots uh, that year. That's that's a big year for a guy. Um, I Ain't Got You by Alicia Keys. This Love by Maroon 5. Boo. Uh, the, way, the Way You Move, Outcast featuring Sleepy Brown, which is a jam. Um, Totes. The Reason by Huba Stank. Uh, <laughs> I Don't Want to Know by Mario Winans featuring Enya and P. Diddy, which I have never heard. I am definitely checking that out. Yes. That sounds like a amazing collaboration. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is Enya doing? Who there? knows? Who knows? <laughs> um, hey Ya by Outcast made the top ten again. Um, that's that's yeah. the staying power that was number eight. Um, Goodies by Ciara featuring Petey Pablo, which I think that's a song that my wife will have loved. I'll have to I'll have to give that another mm. check out. And then one of my favorite like meme songs, which is Lean Back by Terror Squad featuring Fat Joe and Remy Ma. Um, for, I don't know that meme. I just oh, it's not like it's not like a written meme. It's just like in the way that it's I guess like as a quote, or you just use it in situations where lean back, lean back. Like that yes. has been used in so <laughs> many conversations with me um, that yeah. I I love it. And Fat Joe underrated as an MC. Fat Joe had some moments. Yeah, and also if you're ever looking for like really fun stories about hip hop, 
in the late 90s, early 2000s, look for interviews with Fat Joe because he's got them all. Um, yeah. He's got stories about almost being beaten up by a bouncer at a nightclub. And then almost just as just as the bouncer's <laughs> coming at him out of nowhere, Mike Tyson shows up and is like, you leave Fat Joe alone. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to fuck with Mike. It's just so he's got tons of those. It's great. OK, so on to the Canadian one. First, again, there's no strict top 10 for Canada because no one's paying attention. For two weeks, it was Ryan Malcolm with something more. I've never heard of Ryan Malcolm. I have no idea who that is. Uh, mm. Then for three weeks, it was Hey Ya by Outcast. Then My Immortal by Evanescence for a week. Then Hey Ya by Outcast again. Then Amazing. My Immortal by Evanescence again. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, it's a, it's a war. What a, cr- call it war. What a crazy year. Um, then it's uh, Toxic by Britney Spears, which I stand by. That's an excellent pop song. Um, mm-hmm. The Way slash Solitaire, another medley by Mr. Clay Aiken. We love that boy oh up God. here. <laughs> uh, yeah by Usher featuring Lil John Ludacris. Ch- Check It Out by Beastie Boys. Yeah, uh, which is a great song. Yeah, again by Usher featuring Lil John Ludacris. <laughs> um, then for two months, three months, it's I Believe by Fantasia, which I don't remember. Do you remember that song? Me neither. Nope. <laughs> then American Idiot by Green Day for a month. Then Yeah by Usher and Lil John and Ludacris again. <laughs> <laughs> People just wanted to feel good this year. That's what I'm getting. Yeah, we're all just having a good this. time. <laughs> <laughs> then um, Awake in a Dream by someone called Kaylin Porter. I don't remember. It's a Canadian act. Don't remember them at all. Okay. Um, and then uh, for the last two weeks, Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid 20, which was a remake of the original Band-Aid started by Bob Gendolf. Um, so uh, let's get to the first song on Big Shiny Tunes 9. I still love this song. It's called River Below, and it's by Billy Talent. I totally uh, realized when I listened to this song that Billy Talent was this band that I, uh, for some reason, wouldn't let in. Mm. But uh, anytime uh, Try Honesty would come on, mm-hmm. I, was, I, I would find myself kind of getting into it. And it was absolutely the same with this. Like, I, I didn't listen to this at the time. But um, it's kind of interesting because I think at this time uh, we see it on this song, but even more so on the um, last song of the compilation with Alexis on Fire, mm-hmm. which is that, like, they kind of we're taking, I think, a lot of what was happening in a post-hardcore uh, way. By post-hardcore, I mean stuff like At The Drive-In. Yeah, or yeah good call. Sparta, but they, they just like popped it up way more than, mm-hmm. um, than a lot of those bands. And uh, I, I think that because of that, it's aged a lot better than some of these actual post-hardcore <laughs> bands that they were probably like influenced by because of its pop sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, straight up loved it. Uh, uh, I, although I, when I was watching the video, I did find myself getting distracted by how much uh, the singer looks like um, the that actor who played Stuart from Mad TV. If you remember, oh uh, yeah, Michael, um, Michael something. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember his last name, but Michael something. Yeah, yeah, I get that. That's funny. So, but but this honestly, it was this was like the first time in. Jeez, uh, I'd, I'd have to look at the track listing again, but um, I'm just gonna go ahead and say that this was the first time in a long Big Shiny Tunes where I was like, oh yeah, right off the bat, okay, cool, I'm I'm down so far. Yeah, straight out, just really good. I remember seeing them live because they were signed to Network when I was working for Network Records, and um, I saw them play at the Pacific Coliseum. I brought my brother for his birthday. We got uh, backstage passes. Um, and we just moshed the whole time. And I remember the, at that concert was the moment that I knew I didn't want to work in the music industry because oh, yeah? Why? my brother and I <laughs> came out of the mosh pit doused in sweat. Like we, we oh. had gone for it hard. We was so yeah. much fun, sang along the whole time because we knew every word to this album. And, um, 
the people from network were sort of sitting front row outside of the mosh pit. So, you know, in stadiums, it's always where the rink would be is where the stage is in the mosh pit. And then there's the seats. They were sitting front row there and they all had suits on and they were all very tidy. I had long hair at the time and a beard. And I came up and I like whipped my hair back to get it out of my face. And I could just see like sweat just fucking fill the air. (laughs) And they all looked at me like, are you okay? And I was like, are you okay? That show was amazing. (laughs) And you're just bored. So, so many people uh, get into the music industry for all the wrong reasons, for sure. It was, you know what, you know what I got from all those people, though, because I remember talking to them and they all genuinely loved music and they could sit and they could talk music for ages. Yeah. Um, They all, and because Network, one thing that I still love about Network, and I've talked about it on here before, but I really respect, everyone started in the mailroom. So they all, they Mm -hmm. all came to it from a love of uh, music and wanting to be involved. But I think what happens is when you stay too long, and this is what I saw in them. When you stay in it for too long, you just forget the passion. You still like Absolutely. appreciate it, but that but the love a lot of the time is, is taken away with anything that becomes your job. It's really hard to keep that love going. But yeah, I'll never forget yeah. seeing those those people. And one of the guys that I worked in the mailroom with was there as well. He still works for Network. And I love that guy. He's a brother for life. But uh, But he was sitting there looking sharp in his suit. And I was like, one of us is staying and one of us is leaving. And that is totally fine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, that's cool. I mean, that's uh, that's also a refreshing story because uh, I think up until now, all your brother uh, anecdotes had been like, "Shut the fuck up." Yeah, yeah. But this time I was like, "Mosh with me, bro." Yeah, we had a great time. I got, I got, I went to two concerts with my brother for bands on this uh, album. It was this and Alexis on Fire, and um, oh, nice. we had a great time. Um, one thing that I, I I liked about the video, which is funny, is because like it was. I mean, it started with an Oppenheimer quote, which I didn't really felt a little pretentious. <laughs> But um, yeah, well, I mean, a little it's clearly pretentious, but whatever. I'm a pretentious <laughs> person, too, so I can't really be throwing stones. It was I was annoyed with it at first because it was like mm-hmm. the office drone music video trope. But he's at home. Sure. Yeah. So it's like he's not in his suit. He's at home in his like polo shirt and his his yellow wallpaper. And he's very annoyed yeah. at the band playing across the street. It's the same dynamic we've seen a thousand times. But I like yeah. that they took it to the next degree where normally it's like a fight happens and the punks win or something like that. But at the yeah. end of this video, the guy just builds a nuke and blows everyone up. <laughs> this, is, this also feels like the first Canadian band in a while that isn't up to some pretentious garbage in their music videos. Sure, mm. the Oppenheimer quote, yeah. but like they just look like regular suburban dudes playing in their garage, right? Like it yeah. just feels like they're not above uh, their fans in any way. Yeah. Yeah. They just seem like they just seem like fun, cool dudes who are probably very sad. That guitarist. What a hairstyle. So good. Right. Dude, in a hurricane, that wouldn't move. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Let's go. Let's go on to the second track, which is Somebody Told Me by The Killers. The Killers. Yep. I I couldn't take this band seriously back in the day. Uh, Obviously, like a I think my music snobbery got in the way of um, enjoying some things that would have been fun, but I, I definitely drunk danced to the song at a club at some point oh, when yeah. the song came oh, out. Oh yeah, you had um, to. And and I gotta say the uh, '80s retro futurism of this song and the whole vibe, like I, it's aged pretty well. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I I just straight up liked it. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I think this might be our shortest ever episode because of all the songs that we enjoyed on it. <laughs> but the, um... Oh, we're we're gonna get to finger eleven. Yeah, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, but the um, so this one was I I had an opposite thing where I re- I really like I liked it uh, when I listened to it mm-hmm. this time, but I had a housemate who I hated um, who mm. would blare, and I mean blare so the walls shook 
at like seven in the morning, the killers every single day. And so I developed a hatred that had nothing to do with them. Well, the song, the song was like overplayed uh, everywhere anyways, but the fact that it was overplayed in your own apartment, yeah, I can see that. Just uh, infuriating. <laughs> and like the whole album, it was, I just hated him so much. Um, and he was Canadian, so everyone wanted us to be friends. And I was like, I fucking hate this guy. This guy sucks. Uh, <laughs> so therefore, you hated the killers. Yes, I absolutely hate it. And also because um, Mr. Brightside is like the new mm. Wonderwall in the UK. Where oh, because it's like, and she's Kyla in a cab and she's doing this thing, and everyone just sings along. Yeah, they sing the mean? whole thing, and they'll like when they're hammered. If you start singing, a if you get if you string together three words that happen to be in Mr. Brightside in a sentence, drunken British people that I don't really get along with will all start yeah. screaming Mr. Brightside together. I, I, I mean, Wonderwall, I get, but what's up with that song? It just it just That's... touched them. In a way, I honestly couldn't tell you what it is. It's baffling to me. I've asked British people, and they can't explain it. But they just love. It's like um, Iranians love the Scorpions, and it's one of those like it just hit. It just hit them hard. Do Do you think British people oftentimes uh, love things that remind them of what they're not? <laughs> Meaning, like the the stereotype of a British man is not like some bright side kind of guy. It's not like some upbeat, like everything's going to be fun. I don't know if that's the message of that song, actually. I think the message is just about some weird thing uh, where a girl is not, they're not hooking up or something. Is that I honestly couldn't about? tell you. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't like the only, the only words that I remember right now are the ones that you just said um, because you <laughs> right. just said them. So I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. It might be, I mean, it might be about having a big night out, uh, but it's also like, it is an anthem. It's an anthem song. And they did, the Killers did that really well. Like they're a band yeah. that, if they were headlining a festival that I was at, I'd probably go see it because it'd be fun. Yeah. It'd be big. And I know that they could like fill the space. Um, but yeah, even like in spite of how much I hated them as a result of my shitty roommate, uh, I can't yeah. I can't be mad at the song. It's juxtaposed to the sad boy parade and the great unknown sadness <laughs> that we've been dealing yes. with for the last like, what, four albums now. It's so refreshing to just have people making music that you want to move your body to. Um, mm -hmm. at poorly. I can't dance, but I would love to. And I would love to just jump around, throw my arms around friends with this when I'm hammered and have a good time. So, I had to double check the track list to make sure I didn't fuck up because mm -hmm. I'm like, wait, wouldn't Franz Ferdinand be next? But nope, yeah. it's Evanescence with Everybody's Fool. Right. What a crazy choice. <laughs> Seriously, I, I, I want... <laughs> I, I wanted to like Evanescence. Mm. I feel like the this is like a straight up message song, mm. um, and perhaps the first wave of people who uh, truly would have been behind freeing Britney. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, sort of about the um, trappings of how uh, being a woman in the pop world are unrealistic, sexist, and like totally down with the message behind it. Mm. But uh, I really feel the the message of the song deserved better music. <laughs> That I honestly had like I had the same thing the same thought I had with Phoebe Dobson where it's like amazing singer it's really a shame about the band it's like yeah just, if you put her with someone else I might have really liked it and um, there's something I kind of like about Amy Lee though I don't know what it is yeah she seems but. cool she's super talented um, but it was like I just I could never quite get down with Evanescence I just I wrote down Lady Stained <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> fair fair uh, but I also yeah. I was thinking about. Um, where they fit in to the sort of um, oeuvre of this style of music. <laughs> and the, um, I guess what, like, 
Evanescence is filling a really cool gap um, that like Linkin Park, et cetera, did for like teenage dudes. But this is for teenage yeah. dudettes. So they can see themselves in like the sad, I don't fit in, I'm not shiny and glossy kind of thing that really appealed to yeah. me. And so like, that's cool. And the music video makes that super clear um, yeah. where it's, you know, her doing shiny uh, commercials and then it shows her in her bedroom, like in black and white, like crying. You know, I think I think for that, it's like, I'm glad that they were there because I think that's a really mm -hmm. cool spot to fill. I just, I feel like Amy Lee deserved better. Yeah, I mean, and it's also like, I think if you um, were to take yourself out of speaking uh, the English language and you would just hear this as a um, sonic vibration, mm. uh, uh, to quote uh, the great um, Blink-182 that appear later on this, uh, I definitely was not feeling yes, this. Yes, yes, <laughs> But uh, I was feeling this next song, if you're ready to move on to that. Hell yeah. I love this song. I love this band. I was so glad that I still liked it. Uh, it is Take Me Out by Franz Ferdinand. Post-punk revivalism at its finest. Way more fun than Interpol, that's for sure. Way more fun than Interpol. And this is like, this is such a great moment in rock uh, where people, again, they just want to have fun. We've just come out of two, we've just like, there was the, the Bush election and there was the war and everything and everyone's just down. And there's, someone said, take me back to a time where everyone's sad and the music is fun. It's like, yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. And this fits as, it's similar to like um, Electric Six. Remember them? Girl, yep. I want to take you to a gay bar. And it's like, this is just fun <laughs> and silly. Yeah, I thought it was really yep. cool that um, they're named after, you know, Franz Ferdinand, who's the Archduke, whose murder was the cause of the First World War. Um, and Allegedly. And they um, they had the uh, conspiracy. <laughs> and, uh, oh, shit, where's my conspiracy? <laughs> and the, um, <laughs> um, it's almost like a sassy march. Yeah. But 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 you know what this song also does that like is amazing and I think is almost like key to why it was so big. It has a it has like an a fake out intro. It totally starts uh with this part that doesn't appear in the rest of the song. Like Oh, and, I hadn't noticed. You know what I'm talking about? I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, it's it's great. Like it it's priming you like it's like, oh okay, this is gonna be like some upbeat kind of song, and then it just slows it down to this fucking great groove but um i think my experience with this song when it came out was the same that you had as um the killers which is that like i mean honestly i haven't heard this song in years mm. and i used to hear it everywhere yeah. everywhere it was that inescapable mm. and um i definitely enjoyed it for a time but like one point when um i was like going to clubs and and uh when you could start to feel like a, a shift change whenever somebody would put that song on because people were like, no, fuck, I'm sick of this song. So, <laughs> I remember, uh, but that's how good it was. That's how good it yeah, was. It was yeah. It was fucking everywhere. It was rocks. Hey, yeah, for a bit. Um, yeah. And it was, I remember, I remember that happening with grizzly bear on Vikitimist when um, I was in Montreal mm. and I, I went to put it on in um, the cafe that I was working at. And it was <laughs> right. like literally two notes in a girl was like, can you please not like, I've just, I've heard this so many goddamn times. I was like, Totally. Oh my god! Still, still to this day, nothing makes me more uncomfortable than hearing "Wake Up" by Arcade Fire play softly on a cafe speakers. <laughs> it just feels so wrong somehow. <laughs> and the video is really fun as well. The video is exactly the kind of silly, Great, just yeah. playful, creative stuff that I wanted from it. It was awesome. Yeah. And then the album took a turn. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you, uh, okay, this song is Blink-182, feeling this. Yeah. Are you feeling this, Chris? I, the first note is I did not feel this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh man, uh, how do you start? It it just it just feels disjointed in this weird way. Like it's kind of the sort of song that someone would write between researching about UFO conspiracies. Or Which, something. yep. Like, to be fair, <laughs> I, I can feel at its heart it's trying to be a little bit creative, and they're trying to almost like hmm. um, style uh, shift throughout the song. But it's yeah, it seems a bit desperate somehow. But all that said, I'm glad it's not Adam's song. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one. I I want to I want to start this off with like a sort of positive uh, thing, which okay. is uh, I love that they tried t- something else uh, because yeah. Blink One Eighty Two is a cowbell, very much the same <laughs> um, band for a long time. They, uh, I mean, they come back home at, in the second half of the song, but in the first yeah. half, they're trying something new. They're trying to grow. I don't like what they tried, but I love that they tried yeah. it. Uh, they're older. They're not trying to be. You know, they're not trying to be Sum 41 anymore. Sum 41's probably 10 years younger than these guys. And they must have looked yeah. around at the other pop punk bands that had ridden on their coattails, basically, because Blink-182 was, like, at the front of the vanguard of pop punk. And um, mm. and they were like, okay, well, we're older now. Let's let's try to do something different. And I, I fucking love that they gave it a shot. I hate this song, but I love that they tried. <laughs> yep. um, and I thought it was very funny that um, it was another punks versus the corporate world vibe, but instead of suits, it was a prison. But it was the same metaphor. It was the same story within it, where these people break out of the constraints and they flip everything over, and then they're partying. I was like, "It's the guys. This isn't as creative as you think it is." I, I don't. I don't know if you read this uh, anecdote about it, but um, apparently, when they were making the album um, in the studio, they invited Joe Strummer uh, from oh, the Clash wow. uh, to hear some tracks, yeah. and so they sat him down and made him listen to this. And Joe Strummer's reaction was, "It's not very good, is yeah. it?" <laughs> God bless you, Joe Strummer. Next up, Finger Eleven, One Thing. Well, I got more than one thing to say about this song. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I don't don't have much to say, so I'll get that out of the way, and then you unleash. (laughs) Sure. Uh, For the record, I want to be very clear, I loved this song and this album. I'm ending this podcast now. I quit. (laughs) (laughs) Not right now, but when it it came out, I was a huge fan. There's no... What? Were you okay? Were you sad? I was. I was probably very sad. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. Um, uh, I thought they were great. I thought they were very fun because they had the. Um, this was the uh, paralyzed album as well. I'm not paralyzed, but I seem to be struck by you. That one. I loved that song, um, which was again that was another sort of upbeat rock song of the time. Uh, this one was, uh, in hindsight. Um, heart-wrenching garbage. Uh, it was uh, patronizing and silly. I wrote, you know what I wrote? What's Canadian that? Stained. Fair enough. We've got yep. two, two stained offshoots on this album. Uh, we got Lady Stained and Canadian Stained. It's such a funny turn for this song that it came from a band that used to be called the Rainbow Butt Monkeys. Yeah. The the first note I had on, on this when I was writing for that stuff down was, just in case you were worried that Big Shiny Tunes was somehow developing taste... Uh, Canada's own Finger Eleven shows up, which, true to the nature of many of the Canadian bands that appeared on this compilation over the years, has its own distinct brand of awfulness and bad aesthetic. Um, first off, uh, you, you watched the video for this, too? Do you remember the video? Yeah. Did Jeff yeah, yeah. Martin direct this video? What in the <laughs> holy hell is happening? Uh, I, I Honestly, like, I... 
like Franz Ferdinand, I would also hear the song play at least three times a week back in 2004, like whenever I'd be getting groceries. Mm. And um, this song is a uh, goddamn uh, curse is what this song is. Um, I'll, I'll just be going <laughs> about my business in life and like some kind of primeval hex, I'll be in the shower or I'll be making dinner or I'll be enjoying a nice summer day when all of a sudden, if I traded it all, if I gave it all, <laughs> it's, it's, it's stuck in my head forever. It'll never leave, and I resent them just for that. Why Why couldn't it have been Take Me Out that gets stuck in my head uh, in mm. beautiful moments? Why this song? Why does he look like Joe Rogan? Why, uh, <laughs> why, why would a band called Rainbow Butt Monkeys write such a downer of a uh, power ballad? I don't know. Anyways, I, yeah. I exhausted my hatred already, so I'm, I'm spent. But um, yeah. I, I hate you, Finger Eleven, if you're listening. Uh, we'd love to have you on the podcast. We would absolutely love to have you on the podcast. I'm so curious about bands that do that, that go from one that wildly swing to like a different thing. Yeah. I'm always curious about what led to that. Um, (laughs) The next song should have been in the first five songs. If you swap Evanescence out for this song. Yep. Then you have uh, an upbeat foot tapper of front five songs and you could just turn the album off. Um, That song. Oh, actually, no, there's a couple songs more. That song being Um, Jet Cold Hard Bitch. Cold Hard Bitch by Jet. So so I, I suspect we're going to disagree about this song, so um, you, you go first. <laughs> Still like it. Yeah. Still like it. Uh, but again, uh, I even wrote, it might be just how sad the music was on the previous ones, that I'm just glad that these. it's not a bummer. Yeah. Um, it's, a, uh, it's a fun song. I really liked this album, too. I own this album. I listened to it a lot. Um, I think I said in the last uh, episode, I saw Jet open for Kings of Leon at Richards on Richards years ago before um are you gonna be my girl really blew up and they were such a good show really fun really high energy and i just i got a i got a lot of time for jet i don't know what the hell happened to him i haven't listened to anything since let's get free yeah but you know it's just it's just fun throwback rock um with a surprisingly creative and playful music video considering what they're singing about hmm what about you Destroy me. Uh, <laughs> I really didn't like this song when it came out, and I still hate it now. Uh, cool. I, I hate everything about it. <laughs> where, where a lot of the other songs that have this retro revival seem like they're having fun, uh, this has a quality to it that makes me hate the idea of how, for a lot of people, this is like their idea of what rock and roll is or should be. Um, mm. uh, I guess the most damning thing I could say about it is, um, uh, A, these guys are from Australia, so how dare you try and outshine ACDC with this sad strip club music. <laughs> this is sad strip club music. I don't mean the song itself is sad. I mean, this is the kind of song that plays in all the sad strip clubs across North America. That is actually exactly right. That is 100% correct. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's very funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the only thing redeeming about this song to me is that it reminds me that I'm actually a pretty creative songwriter. So. Hey, there you go. That's so, thank you, Jet. Uh, that's a that's a real mean thing to say. I love that. <laughs> I got a lot of time for hate uh, on some of the stuff that's coming up, so um, I'll try I'll try and pace myself. But yeah, there's some real there's some real downers, including this next song, um, which is so bad I didn't even write the title to it. Can it's you tell me what the title Nickelback of the song is? Nickelback figured you out. Uh, continuing the compilation's decision to provide another soundtrack to every sad strip club in North America. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. You know what struck me immediately about this song, especially having it after Cold Hard Bitch from Jet, which I I really liked, uh, is that this felt like it was the same song, but creepier. It's the same stripper dancing uh, to two songs in a row. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. This is the this is the one where she becomes self aware and she's like, "What have I done? This isn't." She's not one of those strippers that loves it. She's like, "I've been tricked." There's some very uh, questionable power dynamics that he's outlining in this song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and also yeah, like, um, what what are his lists of other favorite diseases? <laughs> like AIDS. Like what? Yeah. Why? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it's um. If you're ever thinking about uh, if you're ever thinking about dating someone and they and they list this as one of their favorite songs, mm-hmm. it's a red flag. It's just a red flag. It's a it's a it's a painting of a, a relationship that no one should want. No, it's uh, uh, it's two people that are in a terrible place in their life who have found each other, and it's poisonous. He's laying out the stuff that he loves, which, you know, like any relationship, sexually healthy relationship, uh, I mm-hmm. happen to like when uh, partners' pants are around their feet, because it probably means uh, something's going to happen that'll be fun. Um, here, here. Uh, but then, uh, then he also says that he loves the way that you can't say no. Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe that means like she's into it. But then, I love the powder on your nose. <laughs> but then he later, he later he says he hates the powder on her nose. So make up it's your mind, Chad. Very complicated relationship. <laughs> um, real puddle of mud vibes. Definitely. I mean, the, all that's missing is uh, that uh, he loves the way she smacks his ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, when uh, when I listened to it and I heard the I way the, the uh, I love the way you can't say no. When I heard it, at least, and again, you know, it's up for interpretation. Only Chad Kroger knows what he wrote about. But. Um, I didn't hear that in a sexual thing. I heard that in a party thing. Oh, I can't say no to the cocaine that's in front of you. Fair enough. And not just cocaine, but like you're just you're just up for anything, and as a result, are either very fun or very dangerous. Yeah. Um, and so you like that unstable nature. That's what that's what I heard. But again, I mean, who knows? Yeah, I love your lack of self respect. That's not an admirable quality to love in anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did this did this song elicit warm garbage vibes from you, Chris? <laughs> no, there was no garbage smell to this. All right. This was Cute. just garbage. Um, and I actually, I had my first moment. You know when you hear, when you've done it in the past where you're like, this sounds exactly like another song? Yeah. This is the first one that I had where there's a moment in it sort of three quarters of the way through where it could basically be uh, You're Just One Shining Star by Econoline Crush. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's very strange, actually, how close, similar those were. Yeah, and I was like, "This is." I don't have the the musical acumen to uh, to do the 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 wonderful mashups that uh, that my my great co host Jordan does. But uh, but it was one hundred percent. Listen to One Shining Star, then listen to this song by Nickelback, and um, and then regret listening to both. Yeah, uh. <laughs> <laughs> you can feel that rock has already moved on from this because of the initial songs, mm. and so it's like this marks the end of. Nickelback's dominance. Yeah, this is their uh, uh, the the wave is pulling back, um, and their fans are their fans for life. But they will never be it on the airwaves ever again. Yeah, and I think that's a that's always a really interesting moment to document. And I think it's cool that they did it, sort of smushed in between. Um, you know, you've got the hives and the darkness on one end, and then up at the top you've got Franz Ferdinand and um, Billy Talent and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, Alexis on fire at the back end, and so to sort of put that right in the middle of the album. I think is actually sort of a cool move, even though I absolutely hated this song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Uh, it maybe um, uh, converted some Nickelback fans into checking out uh, perhaps 
some cooler songs, but um, oh, I would love that. You know, I'm starting to think that uh, we might hate most of the Canadian bands that have ever appeared on this compilation. And, and this, you you brought you brought this up earlier, and I meant to say I forgot, but people people were noticing that we shit on the Canadian bands. But we've said this since the beginning. We're not mad at the bands themselves. Yeah. We're mad at Big Shiny Shoes for picking these bands <laughs> yes. because there were great, very interesting Canadian bands doing cool stuff. And they flat out refuse to choose them, and it's fucking infuriating. Yeah. Speaking of infuriating, next up, hey, we got uh, <laughs> Yellow Card with Ocean Avenue. Um, watch the video for this one. No, the, I think I missed this one. I was uh, uh, I saw the last few, and then there was a, a pocket in the middle that I missed. What is it? Walk me through the video on this. Were you able to pick out what makes this band slightly different than the rest of the uh, Some Forty Ones and Pop Punks? Um, I mean, my, my notes on this were that they, they felt like a, a, a very corporate decision two years too late okay. to try to cram a pop punk band in. They felt like, um, LFO and O-Town at the end of the boy band era. Sure. Where it's like, we're just going to squeeze whatever money we can from you and then toss you to the side. So, so the fact uh, that you didn't see the video and, um, weren't able to pick out in the song, uh, what makes this band have uh, an edge over all the other things that were similar at the time, uh, totally proves my point, which is, okay, so... There's a violin player in this band, um, Jesus Christ, and which is hilarious to me because of how unnecessary it was for that instrument to be in this kind of music, and the fact that you didn't even notice means it adds nothing. But when you watch the video, one of the singers playing the violin, and he's playing this like weird electric violin, and I, I, yeah. I swear to God, that was the only thing they had to their um, advantage in terms of getting noticed. It's like we're, yeah. we're like, we're like the rest of the bands, but we got a uh, violin player. Cool, you're yeah, signed. It, yeah, so different, so original. Thank you. I, I've, yeah, no, I, I didn't. I, I have nothing uh, uh, interesting really to say about this band one way or the other. Like, it's not even this again. Uh, I'm sorry, Yellow Card, because you um, aren't even really deserving of hatred that I would give to other bands. Yeah, yeah. You just feel like um, you just missed it, and uh, uh, I wish you well. Yeah. Uh, enjoy, enjoy your don't... Ocean Avenue. Yeah, they don't they don't come across as bad guys in the song, you know. They didn't give me that Chad Kroger creep vibe. Nope. Um, but uh, yeah, just a shame. You know, you know what they kind of reminded me of is that um, that similar. And one thing that I got to say for the bands, even the ones that I hated on this album, um, none of them were like absolutely terrible. They were just ma- maybe making music that is terrible, but they were doing it the way that you're supposed to make it. Yeah. And so I had the similar. You know what I said about not by choice in the last episode. Where it was like, you just missed it, man. Yep. You're just you're just too late, and it wasn't going to work for you. And um, I always I always feel for people like that. So I hope that you're well, Yellow Card. Me too. I'm sorry for not having anything to say about you. <laughs> I, yeah, there's very little to say, unfortunately. It's just not that interesting. Uh, <laughs> next song uh, by a band that I absolutely love, but not a song that I loved. Uh, Walk, Idiot, Walk by The Hives. What'd you think? Well, unlike the Jet song, I can deal with this song's rock and roll v- revivalism. Um, mm. like I, I'm, I'm into this cause it's more like Iggy pop, uh, mm-hmm. vibes. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's another example of the sort of postmodern sensibility that I think was happening with a lot of, um, art in culture at the time. Um, I, I actually, I, I, uh, I think I sort of like enjoyed the song when it came out, but I actually remember, um, mostly like when I think of the hives, 
I just have so many memories of people making fun of them and making fun of like how ugly the rest of the guys were in the band compared to the singer. It was kind of harsh. <laughs> like these guys were definitely like mocked for having like chubby dudes, but they're in their defense, they're Swedish and they're well-fed. So that's mm-hmm. not a reason to, to hate them. But um, yeah, if, if uh, uh, anybody's kind of like into um, these guys, I suggest you check out this band called the makeup who were on K records um, around this time. But uh, it's basically uh, that the singer of that band um, was also kind of doing a very similar, like the hives and the makeup uh, make a good pairing, but um, I'd say the makeup are a little bit more out there than this song, but yeah, it's good foot tap and rock. Uh, but you didn't really like this song compared to other ones. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I thought um, I loved uh, the album Veni Vidi Vicious, which is the album before this one. Um, but this song in particular, like it's still got some of the hives to it, but like you said, it felt, it felt like a, uh, an unsuccessful, uh, swing at a sort of Iggy pop, uh, Mick Jagger crossover, uh, that just didn't do it for me. I didn't hate it, but it just, it just felt like a swing and a miss. Um, I never, it, I, I never connected with it. I sort of felt out, uh, left out by it which is a shame because i fucking love iggy pop i love mick jagger i love uh well not as in, in solo stuff obviously but uh <laughs> she's the boss man but, Check um, <laughs> and i love um you know i love i love the hives uh their early stuff barely legal is a great album too but this one this one left me cold um fair enough yeah yeah and, and it might just be a taste thing just didn't speak to me yeah um i'm very excited to hear your uh thoughts on this next one um if, if we can get to it yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you want to do you want to introduce it? Yeah, I, I don't have much to say about it. Um, this song is "The Darkness." Get your hands off my woman. Um, this song is ridiculous in the same to me the same way that that salad song is, uh, and I can't really oh, explain okay. why. I mean, it has something to do with like their whole vibe, how coked out it seems, but in this really kind of glammy way. The singer actually, uh, if you Google search Klaus Kinski the jesus tour (laughs) he looks like he looks exactly like klaus kinski's fashion in um when he was doing that jesus tour thing uh but um yeah it's the everything the voice it's it's so over the top that i can't really hate it Uh, i don't know if i like it but uh it definitely got one of the biggest laughs uh because i i forgot about the song's existence Oh yeah, the darkness are great, man. The darkness are so fun and they're so silly. I f- I came across them by accident in Brighton when I was at home one night, and I turned on the TV and they, it was showing um, some Carlsberg sponsored big concert, mm-hmm. and the darkness just happened to be on stage, and I was immediately like, "What the hell is going on? <laughs> Were you on drugs?" <laughs> and then, no, I wasn't. This was before I ever did any drugs. Oh, okay, okay. I was. Uh, I I would have been. We had a rule in that house that there always had to be one full bottle of Jack Daniels unopened at all times. So we drank a lot of Jack Daniels. Um, and so I would have been drinking Jack Daniels, probably Jack and Coke. And I was just flipping through channels and I saw it and I was just taken in. I was like, what are they doing? And why are they doing it? I need to know. And when he got to the chorus and he hits those ridiculous notes. Motherfucker! I just howled. I, I, I just fucking howled. I would love to see most people do this at karaoke because yes. straining to hit those high notes has got to be really funny, especially I, – I, I don't think I can hit that high. Um, and just That's it. It's like he's he's a pretty good – like he can hit those notes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's a weird voice, but he can do it. Um, I love – I mean I don't think anyone is allowed to hate the darkness because they're so silly that what are you doing? Yeah. 
Um, I understand people that that don't vibe with it, but for me, what I love about it is it's like it nails a time. It sounds like a time in music, but it doesn't sound like any band from that time, mm-hmm. which is a really tough line to walk, and I respect that. They're openly ridiculous. Um, they have a song called Christmas Time okay. that, that they almost got to uh, the Christmas number one, which is a big deal in the UK, and... It is, again, just very silly and over-the-top yeah. and one of my favorite Christmas songs. Nice. But what I love about it is they, they remind me of Mel Brooks movies mm-hmm. in that it's it's an homage that is ridiculous and sort of taking the piss out of what they're making an homage to, but you can tell that it comes from love. Yeah. Like, they absolutely adore it. It's the kind of stuff that, like, Steel Panther left me cold Okay, because they did... They did this, but too earnestly. Right. Whereas the darkness just absolutely embraced how absurd everything about big stadium glam rock was. Yeah. And doubled it. And I I absolutely love them for it. If you get a chance to listen to the Darkness's album, I I can't recommend it enough. I mean, I can't remember the last time I listened to the whole album. That would have been 10 years ago. Mm. But anytime any of it comes on, I'm absolutely delighted to hear them. I am (laughs) pro-darkness all the way. Well, just when you thought that uh, the album was revving up to um, some more fun times, uh, guess who's back? <laughs> Man, the rest of this, the rest of this album, with sort of the exception of the last song, is a real, a real shame. <laughs> How do you go from the fun of the darkness to writings on the wall by the Tea Party? Yeah, I was just like, are we about to get a, a Stevie Wonder cover here? With is this like there? But okay, in this song's defense. Um, mm. uh, this is definitely the best Tea Party song that's ever appeared on the series because it's the mm. shortest. It's <laughs> it's literally uh, let, less Tea Party is always better in my book. But um, that said, this is also like the most un-Tea Party sounding song they've ever done. One hundred percent. And but it's it's kind of baffling. It's like was Jeff Martin touring with Nickelback this year? Like what what brought this on? Was he given like a different drug? Um, the video too is this weird Canadian ripoff version of that Queens of the Stone Age, uh, yeah, song too. 100%. So something really weird happened because uh, I I can't say I enjoyed this song, but I didn't. Uh, it was there's actually nothing to really latch onto to make fun of uh, in even Jeff Martin's lyrics. It's like was a song ghost written by someone else? Like it's it's very mm-hmm. strange. I don't understand what happened. Uh, um, but I, it, it, I I was preparing for a big hate, but it wasn't actually a big yeah. hate. Really, it was just huh. <laughs> yeah, I had I had the same thing. I was just like, look who grew some balls. What's going on here? <laughs> Driving guitars and and weird animations and fast cars in the video. It was uh yeah, it was um not I, I wrote I wrote not a scarf in sight. Yeah. <laughs> this is a very different uh, uh tea party and um again, yeah, I'm I'm in the same place where it's like they've moved from uh, where they were into sort of a weird middle ground of like, I don't care, mm-hmm. uh, which is shocking. That's a big, that's, I don't know if that's a big step up or a lateral move, uh, considering <laughs> like it, it, it actually takes some balls to make something that I hate as much as I hate those early tea party songs. <laughs> Whereas this is like, what have you become? And why did you do, this is one of the reasons I'd love to have them on, which is like, this is a very strange moment in tea party sound. And I want to know what changed. I uh, I have a feeling that will never happen. 
<laughs> yeah. But yeah, also, I, I, don't think, yeah. <laughs> I, I have a feeling that um, maybe this was Jeff Martin's attempt to sell out or something. Like maybe this was his attempt to try and get bigger. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what prompted it. It's very strange. I have no interest in checking the album that this is on to see if the rest of the songs are like that. I feel like this could yeah. be a weird one-off. But um, um, if if, it, if anyone listening it was a was or is a big Tea Party fan, and if you are a big Tea Party fan, kudos to you for sticking with the podcast for this long. Yeah. Um, but if you if you have any insights into what happened, uh, feel free to tweet us about it because um, I'm genuinely curious. I'd love Same. I'd love to know if something foundationally changed in the band to make this um, just sort of straight up rock song totally yeah. yeah um and it's in that vein uh who do we got next <laughs> buddy the fact i mean we we were we were sending messages back and forth before we recorded this this episode and uh the next the next album is called where we running by uh lenny kravitz chris's favorite artist and uh jesus christ and so so he was like, oh, about to listen to Tea Party, followed by Lenny Kravitz. And I just answered with, monsters. <laughs> these, these people are monsters. Um, but again, I mean, for me, this is another, this sits in the same spot as the Tea Party Exactly, song. yeah. Yeah, it's interesting in that it's the least corporate rock sounding uh, Lenny has ever sounded on this compilation. Um, mm-hmm. And also the video itself is sort of interesting. I don't know if you checked out the video. But, uh, I, I didn't have time to check out this video that I, I missed sort of three right in the middle and I come back and at, at the next song where I see the video. So what was what was this one? It was basically like all the um, shit that we talked on uh, sort of the Coke commercial version of uh, American Woman that he did. Mm. This is like the flip side of that. This is basically showing how rock and roll is not glamorous. It shows him like waking up in a hotel room um, with like two uh, women who are um, like, they've obviously made a night of it and he just looks like miserable and like worn out. And then immediately, as soon as he gets um, out of the hotel, uh, he's like swarmed by people. um, And then it shows them like partying on a plane. And it, it just makes like the rock and roll lifestyle look really just exhausting and mm. shows him like playing this song in front of a crowd of people and then follows him uh, after he's finished the song into the dressing room where he looks like he's about to have a panic attack. And um, you've talked oh. a bit about how he's a good actor. So like I'm assuming this uh, was was acting, but it, I, 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 I did give it to Lenny. Um, like I didn't totally hate the song and it sounded like the least Lenny of his songs so far. Yeah. 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 I felt the same. There were even there was a moment. um that he, that I liked, like it's sort of silly, but it, early on he says jibber jabber, and that just made me laugh. I was like, that's a very funny couple of words to put in your song, and I like I like that. Yeah, um, and also there's a bit where he sort of breaks out of the song and he's talking to someone who's off stage. Yeah, and I was like, I don't know why, but I really like that moment. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is cool. It's I can't remember the last time I was listening to a Lenny Kravitz song, and I was like, I kind of like that move. That's a that's a it's a nice thing. But yeah, it's a. I mean, I might watch the video now. I'm curious about it. Um, and one thing that I like is Lenny Kravitz is one of the few uh, people in the world. I was going to say singers, but people where him sadly getting out of a bed with two, I'm assuming, beautiful women in it. Yeah. Doesn't even feel like a brag. It's just like that is absolutely his life. I 100% believe that this is just an accurate portrayal. And to have to have had any less than two would have been to be dishonest. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine if it just showed him waking up like in uh, sort of like respectable pajamas and make, 
like squeezing an orange and then just be like, can't wait to start the day with you, my <laughs> lovely wife. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, as much as I don't really like his music, um, he's, a, he's an insanely handsome man and uh, has a lot of charisma and stuff. So I guarantee that he slept with a, a large number of women. Yeah. And so, yeah. So when you told me he woke up to him, my first thought was like, humble brag. But I was like, no, 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 just, uh, just factual. Yeah. Straight up factual. <laughs> totally. <Good> for him. <laughs> Well, continuing uh, the rock and roll cliches here, we got Thornley with Come Again. Uh, Thornley, if um, you may have forgotten, uh, was uh, Ian Thornley from Big Wreck. This was his solo project. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thornley, Come Again. I really like Big Wreck. We talked about that song. Yep. I like Big Wreck. I, this felt like a song that didn't make it onto the Big Wreck album. Contains one of the dumbest lines I think I've ever heard in a song, which was, Yes, I've become a rock and roll cliche because I'm looking for revenge. What? <laughs> exactly, right? What does that mean? <laughs> what? That feels like someone once told him when he was like a teenager, you know what rock stars love? Revenge. They're all about vengeance. <laughs> and he just he just took that as written and thought that everyone else had learned that. No, we like, no. no. Sir, sir, we, we haven't had any experiences with uh, rock and roll stars, Canadian rock and roll stars trying to uh, seek vengeance, have we? Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. But I don't think I don't think it's enough to be a, a cliche, you know. That's like, um, you know, when you find out someone's like weird Christmas uh, rituals, mm-hmm. where they're like, "Oh, you roast nuts and then you throw them on top of the roof for for Rudolph to eat." You go, no one does that. No one throws nuts on their roof. <laughs> what a weird. And image. you just like, yeah, and you just go, "Oh, I thought I thought everybody did that." That's that's Ian Thornley with vengeance and rock and roll. <laughs> Maybe there was like a um, ex girlfriend or someone who didn't want him like partying on the road, and and then she broke his heart, and that's what that line means. It's mm. just like, well, like I'm becoming you a know, rock and roll cliche because you broke my heart. Yeah, it could also mean that like, and this this I have found to be true in a lot of people who are uh, successful is um, they've got something to prove. Mm. Someone told them that they were a piece of shit. And they would never amount to anything in whatever form that took. Yeah. And then that is what drives them. I mean, it even drove Michael Jordan, for God's sakes. Yeah. Um, and so maybe it's that. Maybe that's what he means by revenge, if I'm being generous. Yeah. I'm I'm banking more on the nuts on the roof theory. I, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Man. But again, another boring rock video. Mm-hmm. Just bad CGI. There, there were like these moments where I, I, it kind of felt like his face was slightly morphing into Chris Cornell's face. Like there was like, yes, <laughs> I was like, is he turning into Soundgarden? What's going on? Yeah, <laughs> he wishes. <laughs> we all wish if we're if we're honest. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have any more thoughts on that. This wasn't a big. Yeah, I don't. I mean, all basically, all of my thoughts were to do with Big Wreck. So yeah. that shows you how much of a, a an imprint. Thornley gave me. Now we got okay. How do you pronounce this next band's uh, uh, name? Because I want to say they're called Pilati, Mm-mm. but I think they're nope. called Pilot because they were forced to change their name. Because I I knew nothing about this band. This song is called Overrated by uh, mm. Pilot, now called Pilot Speed, apparently. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I'd never heard this song before, and just kind of sounds like a badly recorded Coldplay to me, but. Um, I think it's Pilot, and I'm actually just going to check right now. Uh, I, I think it's a biblical reference. I think it's Pontius Pilate. Oh, it is. Okay. It's Pontius Pilate. I kind of wish they were called Pilati. <laughs> yeah, that would have been very funny. Um, 
But no, yeah, it's a, 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 a reference to Pawnee's pilot. I don't know why they had to change it. It made it difficult to find the music video at first. It's like, what the <laughs> hell is this pilot speed band? Um, I had to look up their Wikipedia, which is something I never thought I would do for pilot. Uh, <laughs> the, the things that this podcast has created in our lives, I don't think we would have dreamt a year ago. Yeah, I mean, to me, to me, what summed this song up was the that the music video had no colors in it. I couldn't even the find a music video. That's funny. Oh yeah, that's because you weren't looking for pilot speed. <laughs> oh uh, shit! <laughs> the whole thing is beige, and I was like, "Yep, yep, nailed it." Whoever this director is, that's a very subtle dig that I appreciate. This song sounds like some people who hate indie rock's idea of what indie rock sounds like to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> some people. Yeah, yeah, like it's a, a spite song. Yeah. Um yeah, it's just it's just sad guy rock. I don't I don't really care for it. Um they tried to do an interesting thing with the video that didn't work out where it was like a one shot. Um it was supposed to like look as if it was all in one take. Yeah. Um but they didn't do anything too interesting with that, which is like sort of a waste cuz that could be really cool. Like I thought OK Go did a great great thing with um a lot of the one shot videos. They sort of mastered that. Um but uh yeah, they just you know, took a cool thing and then did nothing with it. It's this song I found to be inoffensive to the point of becoming offensive. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's just yeah, it was just sort of nothing. I, and no, um, no feelings were elicited. That's also kind of how I feel about this next song too. For being honest, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. That song is Marble Index. Uh, sorry, the band is Marble Index, and the song is called "I Believe." And I believe this song was just too boring for me to actually have anything to say about it. Like I couldn't even make this, yeah. I, I couldn't even make it through this song all the way on my first listen. Like I had to come back <laughs> to it cause it, it was, it was so boring that I just had to turn it off. And I don't know what, it's kind of fascinating. I wish I had uh, maybe dug a little deeper on why it elicits this boring feeling. Maybe it's the chords mm. are too generic. Maybe just the, it just, I don't know. Am I being too hard on the song? How did you feel about it? <laughs> I had I, I just wrote worse jet. <laughs> <laughs> I think these, uh, these guys are from Hamilton, Ontario, which is probably the most interesting right. thing about. Them. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was I, I watched the music video and um, and I was like, oh, Montreal is full of these guys. I recognize a lot of this type of dude and yeah. they're never the most interesting guy in the room. They're the guy pretending to be. Yeah, um, there was a very there was one part in the music video that made me laugh. <laughs> is it where, they're all crammed um, in a room? <laughs> It's when they're all crammed in the room, but it's not just that they're all crammed. It's that the lead singer is taking up all the space and physically cramming the bassist and drummer against the wall. Classic like, lead singer. Funny. Classic. <laughs> that's, that's very silly. Have you? I, I can't think of another band on any of these big shiny tunes that I was more sure were Canadian from just looking at them. Fair enough. Yeah. It's like, I was like, yep. From looking at them and the quality of their music video, I was like, oh, baby. These dudes are Canucks. I I, th- I feel like I need to put this out here because of all, again, all the shit we've been talking. Like, I played in a band called Sunset Rubdown. Please make fun of me. Please make fun of yeah. <laughs> our music. People would often, like, I, I, I've had, like, four people come up to me uh, who uh, I sort of know, and they're like, did you used to play in Sunset Rubdown? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, I always kind of hated your band. I'm like, Oh, thanks. <laughs> I, I was getting my hair cut last week, and um, one of the guys who works at the hair salon put on a Sunset Rubdown song, 
and I think it was just to embarrass me. He came up to me and made a uh, guitar shredding motion with his hands. I was like, "Yep, <laughs> go for it. Make fun of me. Wait. Make fun of make fun of all the music I've made. I don't care. I, I I'm not going to dish this stuff out if I feel like I can't take it." But yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Feel free to do the same with my stand up. Yeah, you guys wrote yeah. these fucking songs. I didn't. <laughs> I, I I listen. Chris and I are sacrificing our time, our money, everything to get through. We keep saying 14 issues, but there's 16. We have two. This whole thing is bookended by two double albums. So it's really 20 20 fucking albums (laughs) that we are putting our time. And so if we're not allowed to make fun of the songs that we were forced to listen to, then I don't want to be doing this anymore. Uh, If you want me to apologize for making fun of your songs, I will. But I am not going to sit here and just accept (laughs) these songs as worth including when they're horrible. The only part of that that I can't agree with is that we were forced to do this. We absolutely chose to do this. Listen, man, you no don't, you don't, you us. don't fucking uh, fly all the way to Everest and walk like uh, two miles into it and then give up. Yeah, fair enough. But that's on us. That's uh, we, no one's forced us. We are choosing, choosing to slog on, um, and nothing, nothing says choosing to slog on quite like the next band. The next song is called Same Direction by the most mocked band name of our lives, Hoobastank. Forget the music even. Hands down the most make funnable name I think that's ever existed. Yes. Um, You watched the video for this? I did watch the video for this. What the fuck is Kanye doing in this video? (laughs) Dude, and it's not just Kanye. It's Kanye. It's uh, Chester Bennington from Linkin Park and the singer from Good Charlotte are all in it. I mean, all of those names, check out. But Kanye... I thought Kanye had way more self-respect than this. This is early Kanye. Also, this is around the time that Jay-Z had done Linkin Park, so maybe he's dipping his toe in the um, alt pool. And I I think there's something we're not really um, remembering, which is that, like, that's how big Hoobastank was at some point. Yeah, Yeah, they were. Um, Yeah. Yeah, but honestly, like, I mean... Which is hilarious. uh, Forget the song. Uh, I I think Hoobastank are too deep or smart (laughs) for me because I, I watched the video twice and I still have no idea what's going on in that video. Yeah, was it like a, it was, so there were cops involved, and then there was lead singer tryouts, which is funny, because it reminded me of Jeremy Taggart, and then, um, and so I think that, I think it was like, Kanye, Good Charlotte Face, and Chester Bennington mm-hmm. were all like mm-hmm. trying out to be the singer of Hoobastank, yeah. um, and then like, the real singer was faking to go in as part of a sting, because he'd been bust, I didn't understand, it was a, uh, it was a poorly told story. It was a poorly told story. Maybe, maybe it, maybe it's something uh, that has to do with something you and I will never know, um, and that's why Kanye's in the video because it, this song actually is um, indicative of this quality he calls dragon energy. Maybe it is. Remember maybe that? it's a dragon energy song. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. yeah when Ka- Kanye proclaimed his love for Trump by saying like, "We are both dragon energy," and I don't know what dragon energy is, but maybe uh, Hoobastank has it. It's an illness, whatever it is. It's a, if 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 both Kanye and that guy have it, it's a fucking illness. Um, Hoobastank's another uh, another band that I have with like Yellow Card, where it's like, listen, the music that they're making is exactly what fans of uh, new metal wanted. Yeah, and it's it it fits it perfectly, um, and it's terrible. <laughs> that's that's a shame. But uh, like, I can't. If that's what they were trying to do, they absolutely did it. If they wanted to paint a self-portrait and shit on a sidewalk it looks exactly like them but it's not it shouldn't have been done yeah 
You know, um, I think that was a, probably a, a terrible uh, metaphor, but here we are. <sighs> I, I I wish I could have been a fly on the wall when the whole band decided, yep, we're going with Hoobastank as our band name. <laughs> Hooba, Hoobastank, Hooba, from the nothing for Hooba, and Stank <laughs> for Stink. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to go for uh, double rainbow butt monkeys, but uh, I think yeah. Hoobastank's the safer yeah. choice here. <laughs> They're both awe-inspiring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, wow, actually, we almost made it. It, it's uh, it's the last song time now. Unless you got same. more to say about the the Hoobastanks, dude. I don't even have any thoughts on the music. <laughs> like I, the the most interesting thing were the people that appeared in the music video. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm set. I'm set on Hoobastank. Like I said, this is the shortest shortest episode we've ever done because we really liked some of the songs. Look at look at how much time Big Shiny Tunes could have saved us if yeah. they just programmed this properly. <laughs> Totally. Um, the last song is, uh, I've, I've never actually been quite clear. I think maybe do the fans uh, pronounce it depending on how they feel. It's either Alex is on fire or Alexis on fire. I think it's Alexis on fire. I think right? it's Alexis on fire. Yeah. Alexis on fire with the song accidents, which like the first song on this album is um, definitely uh, continuing the post hardcore trend that was going. Um, do you remember a band called the blood brothers? Yes, I do remember the blood brothers. I feel like these guys like, Blood Brothers. I, I, I liked Blood Brothers uh, for a hot minute. I saw them play my first year in Montreal in 2004. It was crazy. Uh, yeah. Um, can't say I uh, have listened to any Blood Brothers in the last 10 years. Uh, it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> Hasn't yeah. aged too well. And and um, I'd say like compared to the Billy Talent song, like I, I feel like Alexis on Fire hasn't aged as well in some mm. ways. It, it, it This definitely, because when we've been talking about um, previous episodes, like 90s sounds, like this to me is like an early 2000s sound. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't, um, it's funny because like I had, also for anyone wondering, uh, the singer for Alexis on Fire is also City in Color. So if you want to try to um, reconcile those two things, good luck. (laughs) Um, You can only scream so much. Well, yeah, and I've got, I, I, I had such a weird thing where I loved screamy music like i loved uh soulfly and seven dust and all these sort of scream bands but for some reason even at the time alexis on fire just left me cold it never did anything for me so like when i when i took my brother i took him to see alexis on fire because he loved them and he was too young to go on his own Mm -hmm. um and so i agreed to go even though i didn't really like them uh but a, a punk band that i liked called 10 foot pole was opening so I went. I sort of went to go see Ten Foot Pole, and he went. That's to go. the most boring name I've ever heard. In my life. It was. I remember the lineup was. It was Rufio, Ten Foot Pole, and Alexis on Fire. Which Fucking for throw, some, you should, should have thrown a bangerang in there. Yeah, <laughs> bangerang, Rufio, Rufio. Rufio. <laughs> oh, they never once did that in their concert, and I'll never forgive them. Uh, and it was like, I mean, for a certain demographic, that lineup is like a timeless. Holy shit! Yeah. You saw those three bands together. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it was just ten foot pole. The other bands, I just sort of stood in the back and watched my brother have a good time. There's just something about it that just didn't fit. It felt like the screaming belonged to a different song than the music did. Yeah, and uh, and I just yeah could never ever connect with them. Did you did I, you I, like them? Did you get into them? No, I think I think I had already kind of moved on. Like I went through a bit of a screamo phase in 2003. Hmm. I was listening to like the Locust, to the Blood Brothers, to a lot of that stuff. And and this stuff was actually a little bit even more commercial than that if it, as commercial as um a person screaming over uh, in that style can be yeah it just it just sounds really dated to me now but um in this music video it elicited the only big shiny tunes conspiracy 
of the podcast, which is that um, this video shows a bunch of uh, people like overdosing on drugs and uh, Mm. the band coming to help revive them. And so my conspiracy is that all these people who overdosed on drugs in this video were um, listeners of the Big Shiny Tunes compilation who took the drugs because they thought it would make listening to this uh, edition of the compilation more interesting. I think that would be great. I was yeah. I was trying to figure out why why they chose the video they did and what they were trying to do with it because it doesn't do much. It's just sort of them as paramedics driving around saving people and looking yeah. exhausted. <laughs> and and I was just like, is this just is this just a PSA on how hard it is to be a paramedic? Because like <laughs> I kind of love that. I I like you know it's called accident. There were accidents. Fair enough. I see the connection. But it's it's almost they're just like. This is a really hard job. Also, we have a song. It's like, great, cool, good. Uh, that's the end of Big Shiny Tunes 9. That's the end. Best one in ages. Some real yeah. great songs on here. The best Tea Party song uh, I have ever heard. Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> um, way to go, Tea Party. Uh, this yeah. whole thing is... Um, it, it bodes well. I haven't looked at the, um, the, the track listings for um, 10 yet or 11 but this yeah. goes well this gives me hope that um we're not going to have to suffer the way we did between sort of five and eight yeah well i think i think definitely there'll be more surprises on it um and especially things i never heard uh i mean next episode we got um gorillas we got nice. more alexis on fire we got hot hot heat uh nice. got some stories to tell about those guys since they grew up in victoria um uh but we also got nickelback again <laughs> Fucking always. Jesus Christ, guys. Give it up. And, oh, uh, and on track 13, Big Shiny Tunes 10, Theory of a Dead Man. No. <laughs> Will they have gone full puddle of mud? Tune in to find out. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, and Chaos featuring Sam Roberts. That should be fun. Oh, I like that song. That's a good song. Cool. I always liked Chaos. I'm glad that they finally put um, some hip-hop on there, even though he adamantly said that it... it I, I think he argued that it was hip-hop, and then another time he argued it wasn't. But if that's off the Exit album... I like that album. So that was Big Shiny Tunes 9. I'm Frankie Munez. (laughs) Sorry that Jordan couldn't be here, but also kind of glad because I get to tell you for the first time ever that Agent Cody Banks 2 is going to be having a select run in Ontario theaters. And if you liked Big Shiny Tunes 9 and all the songs that were on it, you're probably going to like seeing this movie And also, yes, I'm finally willing to admit that the part where I foil a terrorist plot uh, against the Tower of London in number two was a choice that I made because I'm very much against terrorism. Frankie Muniz taking a big stand there. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us, Frankie. Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, Don't forget to uh, check out the Spotify playlist that comes along with this episode uh, so you can listen to all the great songs. It is in the description of the episode. We're going to be back next week with another Big Shiny podcast. Uh, This was just so much fun. I really hope next week's is as fun as this. I want more darkness. I want more hives. I can't believe I gave a compliment to the tea party. Thank you for doing that because Jeff Martin is a personal friend of mine on Twitter. Frankie Muniz knows Jeff Martin. You guys, the breaking news on the Big Shiny podcast, Frankie Muniz, Jeff Martin, doing a project together 2022. Um... Thank you, as always, for listening. Don't forget to rate and review. It helps us out so much. Uh, You are all wonderful. We will speak to you next week. We love you. Frankie, do you want to take us out? 
Yes, uh, please support Frankie Muniz Olive Oils and come check me out in Scottsdale, Arizona. And if you bring a copy of Big Shiny Tunes 9, I might sign it for you. Jordan, we miss you. We love you. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody.